Hey everybody, and welcome to the Harvest Community Church Podcast. We hope this message today brings you encouragement and inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. If you ever have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out at harvesttn.com. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. Let me tell you a little story. This lady had a had a pet duck, and so she took her duck to the veterinarian and because um, he was he was just limp, doing nothing. So takes it in the vet. <clears throat> vet takes it into the room. They go into the little um, doctor's room, whatever you call those things, <laughs> and. And he starts to check the duck. So he takes his stethoscope and he listens to the duck and he checks around and he tells the lady, he said, I'm sorry, ma'am, but your duck is dead. And she said, no, my duck can't be dead. And he said, well, I'm sorry, I've checked it and it can't be. And she said, is there not anything else you can do to check my duck? So he, he walks out of the room and he comes back in with a Labrador retriever. So the Labrador jumps up on the table and he sniffs around at the little duck and um, looks over the doctor and just shakes his head. And so the doctor takes the lab back out. Then he brings a cat in the room and the little cat jumps up on the table, kind of sniffs around, paws around a little bit at the duck and no movement, nothing. The cat looks over at the, at the doctor and just shakes, shakes his head. And so the doctor takes the cat back out and comes back in. And he said, I'm sorry, ma'am, but your duck is dead. And he hands her a bill. And the bill is for $1,560. So she said, $1,560 for you to tell me that my duck is dead? And he said, well, if you had listened to me the first time, it would have been $60. But I'm having to charge you $1,000 for the CAT scan and $500 for the lab work. (laughs) I hear you all laughing with me out there. Let me ask you a question. How many of you love a... A good mystery. Um, Carla and I love mysteries, and you know, we've, we've been kind of watching them, but one of the things that we like is trying to solve the mystery as soon as possible or early as possible. We watched a movie the other night, and um, I really don't like it when I can, I solve the thing in 10 minutes, and I, I really don't like that because then that messes up the rest of the movie. But I love mysteries, and today we're going to look at a mystery. If I were to share, if I were to ask you a question, if I were to ask you if we could solve a mystery today that had the potential to change your life forever, to change the way you see life, to change the way you think about life, would you want to to embark on that journey with me? And if the answer is yes, then I'm asking you to stay with me all the way to the end. We're going to go in and we're going to look at this and we're going to see how the solving of a mystery has the potential. And and I'll explain that in a minute. It's not necessarily going to. There's something you've got to do, but it has the potential to change your life forever. And even in the midst of this epidemic, pandemic thing going on with COVID, it has the potential to change the way you see life and the way you think about life right now. And it has the potential to put hope in your heart where you may not have hope. We're going to look at a few passages, and we're going to start out in the book of Colossians. 
I love the I love this book. As I've been reading uh, the scriptures through this whole thing, I'm looking at it. I'm thinking, man, I just want to preach this whole thing. It, the word of God is so rich and so good, um, and I hope everybody is taking uh, taking some some serious opportunities to spend some time in the word of God. We're going to look at um, Colossians chapter one. First of all, and then we're going to bump down to chapter 2 in just a minute. But we're going to look at chapter 1. Let me, let me tell you, this is what you want your Bible to look like. Now, I know uh, many of you have got your iPads and your iPhones and stuff, but I like the kind that you can highlight, you can scratch, you can write, you can do all that kind of stuff in. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Colossians, says, talking about the mystery. And he says, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations. How long? Really, all the way back to the Garden of Eden. But is now disclosed to the Lord's people. There was a mystery. And for ages and generations, this mystery had never been revealed. But now, he says, it has been revealed, disclosed. But it's still only disclosed to those who will believe and open their heart to the Lord's people. He says, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, listen to this, the glorious riches of the mystery, which is, here, go, here it goes, here's the reveal. What is the mystery? Here's the reveal of the answer to the mystery, and we're going to go back and see why we need that in a minute. To him, uh, see, that he has made known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of the, of the mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Then in chapter 2, verse 2, he says, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart, united in love, so that they may have the full riches. I love that. Twice he's used riches when he's talking about Jesus. The full riches of complete understanding in order so we need a full riches, complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God. What is the mystery of God? Namely, Christ, in whom are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. When I look at this, and it's kind of like watching one of those movies where you see the end uh, at the beginning of the movie, and then they go on and show you how they, got, how they came about getting to the end. And that's what we're going to do today. The end, the reveal shows us that Jesus is the answer for every woe of man. And when we come to the Lord, not only do we get him, not only do we get forgiveness and we get uh, the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, we get his inward dwelling of his presence, we get knowledge, we get wisdom, we get all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms, we get um, power in our life. All that comes in with our relationship with Jesus. But how did we get here? And so I want to back up just a little bit. Because in every mystery, there's a problem. There's some kind of a problem. And that problem has to be solved. The thing is, is if you don't use the right thing to solve the problem or to get to the right place, uh, you're going you're gonna to have a wrong solution. So we're going to back it up and take a look. And, and the problem is, and I think you'll see this with me, anytime you're in a mystery, you have to ask questions. Ask questions, you get answers. That's how you, you, you gather evidence, and that's how you get to the conclusion that you're going to come to. 
let me ask you this. How many of you would say that, um, that you have done, maybe done some bad things or thought some bad things? You ever said this or thought this in your mind? Can't believe I did that or I can't believe I thought that. Um, have you ever treated anybody in a bad way? Um, you find yourself right now in the midst of this, this uh, COVID that stuck at home that you may be being a little more irritable towards your husband or your wife or your children or children to their parents. I think probably as we look at that, you know, have you ever lied? Have you ever cheated? Have you ever stolen anything? Um, have you ever gossiped about anybody? Have you ever said anything you shouldn't have said about someone? Have you ever gotten so angry that you, that, you know, in a fury you sought vengeance and, and revenge? If you answered yes to any of those things, and I dare say that probably most of you answered yes to a whole lot more than one of those, then you realize that we have a problem. And this problem is, is across the entirety of humanity. We have a problem, and some may say, well, bud, but I think, you know, those behaviors, those bad behaviors are learned behaviors. We're born, and when we're born... Um, you know, if, if people are taught right, they won't have to deal with the problem. But think about this. How many of you have ever had a small child lie to you? How many of you ever had a small child manipulate you to get what you want? Any of us that have kids or grandkids know that one. Uh, we, we've all had them sit and manipulate us. And this is, this is the difference. When your children tried to manipulate you uh, when they were little, you tried to straighten them out. When your grandchildren try to manipulate you, when they're little, you know what they're doing, but you let them do it anyway. All the grandparents out there, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? You know what I'm talking about. There's a problem with humanity. It's, it's, it's across the board. From, from infancy, from a child, we grow up, and there's something inside of us that is producing something that's not good. And... That is a problem. We see it on a, on a worldwide level with wars and rumors of wars and violence and, and all the things that go on, deceit, deception, all of that. We see that. So it's pretty apparent that there is a problem in, ingrained in the human, in humanity, in every single person. So you can know there's a problem, but we've got to figure out how to get to a solution. We had uh, last Sunday, um, got my preaching juice, guys. Last Sunday night, we had that big rain. And um, we woke up on Monday morning to a flooded basement. It's not the first time it's happened, but I did a few things that I thought may take care of it, and obviously it didn't take care of it, so the basement was flooded again. And so I called a dear friend of mine, and I said, you know, kind of explained to him what was going on. He came out on Monday, and he started looking around the house. The first thing he wanted to do, not go into the basement to see the water, he wanted to walk around the house. Now, I saw my problem as water in the basement, but he realized something else. Because I remember us walking around, he said, there has to be a source. And if we can find the source, we can fix the problem. I realized that I had a problem. 
for, for months, I realized that I had a problem. And all the little things that I was doing to try to fix the problem was not fixing the problem because it didn't, it, it didn't go to the source. It didn't stop the source. And so he, he walked around, looked, figured out what needed to be done. The next morning, his guys, uh, a lot more knowledgeable, a lot more capable, showed up with some serious machinery, went to work at my house to stop the source. And I, and I thought about, in this whole process, how we try to fix humanity's problems in so many different ways. The problem is, is unless you understand really the source of the problem, you're just patching up stuff. You've got to go to the root of the problem. And so, in our life, we're going, in, we're going to take this little journey for, for a minute to find out what is actually the source of the problem. And I want to I kind of spring off of here with uh, a passage of Scripture and story that, that I absolutely love. And it is the dramatic conversion, the dramatic salvation, um, the dramatic coming to Jesus that Saul of Tarsus had. And, and we know him now as the Apostle Paul. Um, so you can turn your Scriptures, if you would, to, to uh, Acts chapter 9. We're going to look at a passage here, Acts chapter 9 and see what happened to him. But let me give you a little bit of setup. Saul of Tarsus. Um, Saul was, was born in Tarsus. That's why they called him Saul of Tarsus. His parents were Hebrews, but they also had Roman citizenship. They had kind of the best of, of both worlds. When he was young, they moved from Tarsus to Jerusalem, where where Saul began his studies in the Hebrew Scriptures. And then he began to study under uh, Gamaliel, the Rabbi Gamaliel, renowned Rabbi Gamaliel, and he began to study the law. And, and so all of this teaching was coming into, into Saul, and he began to really believe strongly. He, he became a, um, a, a zealot in a way. Paul believed that there was a sin problem. Or Saul. Saul, and, and Saul and Paul are the same one, but I'm going before salvation and after salvation. Uh, we know him before he was saved as Saul. Saul knew there was a sin problem in the world. So his solution and the entirety of the, of the nation their solution to the problem because they viewed the problem as a behavior issue. Sin is a behavior. Sin is a be they saw behavior as, a, as the problem. Therefore, if you can change the behavior, you can fix the problem. The problem with that is that's not the case. So look with me at chapter 9, verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus <clears throat> so that he, I cleared my throat. You all don't have to turn your Facebook off. It's, it's okay. Um, so that he found, if he found any of, of the people who belonged to the way, the way was what they called believers of Jesus Christ at the time, whether men or women, that he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, 
suddenly, now notice that, he wanted to take them prisoners. Listen, this Saul was so zealous in his belief that the law was the one thing that could connect us to God and could fix the problem, that he went out and he began to have arrested, have beaten, and even some killed believers or followers of Jesus Christ. That's how zealous he was, that he had the answer to the problem, that he had the solution or found the source that actually fixed the problem. He fell on, uh, so listen, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. Let me, let me say something about this suddenly. For, the, for him, this was suddenly, but this was God's plan for him all along. As he neared Damascus and he, uh, on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard the voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Jesus comes, he confronts Saul in his power. Saul is, he falls to the ground. And then Jesus says, why do you persecute me? This ought, to be, this ought to be comforting for every child of God because when you are persecuted, Jesus takes it very personal. When you are abused, Jesus takes that very personal and he involves himself in the situation. So he comes and he says, um, uh, who are you, Lord? For the first time in his life, he realizes that Jesus Christ is Lord. I am Jesus whom you're persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless as they heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. We're going to come back to that. So they led him by the hand in Damascus. For three days he was blind. He didn't eat anything or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision. Um, Ananias, he said, yes, Lord. And he said, the Lord, told him, this, the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on the straight street and ask for the man of Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. To me, this is an amazing analogy as as jesus comes and and he confronts saul and saul becomes a believer and a follower of jesus christ in that moment he is blinded he he cannot see until he comes to meet with ananias and ananias prays for him and his sight is restored and i think in a way jesus is letting him know saul you're never going to see life again as you've seen it you're never going to view life the way you have viewed life. You have viewed life from a religious perspective. You have viewed life from a natural, unregenerate, unborn again, uh, without the Holy Spirit in your life, without the indwelling Christ in your life perspective. And now, because, because of me, you're going to see life new. I, that's why, I mean, the world sees only from the perspective of the natural. And in the natural, it can be a religious perspective. In the natural, it can be an anti-God, an atheistic uh, perspective. It can be, I don't know who God is, an ag agnostic perspective. 
It can be any of those things. And, and that's why the world doesn't understand Jesus. And that's why the world doesn't understand believers. There is a perspective there that has to be changed, but can only be changed when we become believers in Jesus Christ. Until then, we're blind to the truth of the Word of God and the truth of how the world operates, how the kingdom of God operates. Blind to it until Jesus comes into our life. So, so we see here that, that Paul, a believer in the law, a believer that the law is what brings righteousness, is the same man in such a believer that he becomes zealous and abusive. Now meets Jesus. <clears throat> Jesus changes his perspective. Jesus takes him and, and spends one-on-one -on -one time for some years, one-on-one -on -one time with, with who we now know as the Apostle Paul. He gives him revelation that has changed the world. The Holy Spirit inspired the Scriptures to be written. And Paul was the pen that the Holy Spirit used to write many of the New Testament Scriptures. And Paul got revelation that just absolutely was astounding, but also put him on the wrong end of, of everything where the conflict between the people of the law and now and the people of Jesus, the, the followers of Jesus, put him in conflict with all of that. But here's what Paul discovered. He didn't know the source of the problem before. He knew there was a problem. He thought the source was behavior, sinful behavior. Therefore, if the source is sinful behavior, all we have to do is change the behavior. And he saw the law as God's attempt to change the behavior of man. The reality was the law never was meant to change behavior. The law, because God knew it couldn't. The law was there to expose a deeper problem within humanity. And that is that we don't have the power to change ourselves. We are all born. Let's go, go back with me. Let's walk this, walk this forward just for a minute. Because you can't fix the problem if you don't know the true source. you got to go all the way back to the Garden of Eden where God wanted to bring heaven into earth and he wanted to create a man and put him in that earth and give that man dominion over the earth and let man work the, work the earth and, and, um, and have dominion. So now... Adam, and we, I told a little bit of this last week for the Easter message, but um, Adam sins. God says you can't eat of the fruit. If you, sin, if you do that, you're going to die. Adam eats the fruit. He dies. There is a spiritual death, which means that the spirit doesn't die. Uh, we're, we, all have, we all are a spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. But we are all, we all are a spirit. And... Paul and, and Adam sins. With that, sin came into the world. The problem was an internal problem. The problem was not just a behavior problem. It wasn't just that Adam behaved wrong, and therefore, if you behave right, you can fix the issue. The problem was that Adam died, death. The lights went out in his spirit. 
And as I said last week, separation from God. Now, Adam had had a personal intimate relationship with God. Now, that personal intimate relationship is gone. Sin has come into his very being. <clears throat> Adam passed on through the seed of man that sinful nature is passed on. Adam passed on the sinful nature <clears throat> to everybody. And we're all born with a sin nature. Now, that sin nature is like a production plant. Um, it produces, let, let, let's, let's use for instance, let's just say um, Coca-Cola. Coke wants to produce Coke. They want to produce bottles, cans, whatever of Coca-Cola, and they want to sell it. You can't, you can't destroy Coke by trying to go out and find all the bottles and break the bottles and destroy the bottles. You have to go directly to the plant, and you have to destroy the plant that's producing the bottles. Otherwise, you're just going to be breaking bottles all day long because they're going to keep on producing them. So what Paul is, came to realize in his, in his revelation from Jesus, and this is, this is where all the mystery is, and here is where the mystery is, is revealed. Inwardly, man is born with a sin nature that produces sin. Now, some people act out worse than others. Some people learn some discipline and learn how to discipline themselves and not take part in certain things, but it doesn't change the fact that there is a sin nature inside that produces sin, and some of you, some of you, I mean, every day is a mess for you, and others of you can go for a while, but sooner or later, that sin nature is going to show up. Am I right about that? Am I right about that? I am right about that. You know I'm right about that. The sin nature is going to show up. What do we do? How do you stop that? Now that we know the true source, the true source of the problem is not a behavior problem. The true source of the problem is a sin nature that is constantly producing sin, and you can't change behavior to deal with that. So we have to go to the source. Now, the mystery that over the ages and over the generations, <clears throat> if you go back, I love this. If you go back into the Old Testament, the Old Testament is Jesus concealed. The New Testament is Jesus revealed. Until you get this truth, you really can't understand what was going on. Have you, have you ever tried to solve a mystery and, and you realize um, that you missed some clues? And had you gotten those clues and what was going on, you could have solved the mystery? I think, I think it's the same thing in this. When we, begin, when we really see Jesus and we know what God did, then we can go back and we find clues that we really didn't know were there. <clears throat> and I love the types and shadows of the Old Testament. When we look at, in the Old Testament, when we look at the ark, the ark was a type of Jesus' salvation. Um, didn't really, you don't really think about that if you don't know about Jesus. You just think it was, a, it was an event, and there was an ark, and there was a flood, and God saved them, and there was a rainbow. <clears throat> when you think about Abraham and Isaac, and we see Abraham take his son 
to offer his son as a sacrifice. Of course, we know that he didn't end up doing that. God provided a lamb for a, for, um, a sacrifice. We, you don't know until now, until we see Jesus revealed, you don't know. They didn't know that that was a type of, that Isaac was a type of Jesus and that Abraham was a type of the father and that the father was offering his son as a sacrifice to save humanity. Didn't know that. When we look at the Passover lamb and we see the blood applied to save the people during Passover, they, they didn't and still don't know, don't understand that that was a type of Jesus, the blood of Jesus shed to save the people. Uh, when we look at the rock that, that brought water forth, uh, they didn't realize that that was a type of Jesus bringing life from a rock. When we saw the, um, the, the waters and the streams that were poisoned and they had to throw uh, they had to throw limbs, tree, into the water to make the water better. They didn't realize that that was a type of Jesus on the cross saving them from the bitter waters that come from within. There's so many of those types and shadows. It's such a beautiful thing when you see the revealing of the, mis- of the, of the, of the mystery, and then you can look back. You ever heard the saying, hindsight is twenty twenty. We have the privilege of hindsight. We have the privilege of seeing Jesus as the one revealed the mystery that has been hidden for ages and generations, now revealed in Jesus. And that mystery is not just that Jesus came. Jesus came into this world. He lived a sinless life, which is very important. That's why he didn't have a, uh, Jesus didn't have a sin nature because his father, his father was not Joseph. Uh, Joseph, Joseph's seed is not what brought Jesus into this world. Mary's womb brought him into the world, but the Holy Spirit is the one that brought about the seed that, that Jesus came from. Therefore, he did not have a sin nature. We can't. We couldn't pay the price for sin because we're all sinners. I could go to the cross and, you know, I could go and say, I want to pay the price of sin for all of my children. But the answer would be, you can't pay the price of sin for all of your children because, because for all of your children, because you owe your own sin debt, bud. And, and so when you die, you're paying for your own sin. Somebody had to come. This is the mystery revealed. Somebody had to come who was sinless. So the heavenly one came from heaven, but it had to be a human to be able to pay the price for humanity. So Jesus came, wrapped himself up in human, in human form, born into humanity, 100% God, 100% man, and he goes to the cross and he takes our sin upon himself and he dies for our sin. Now we're seeing what Jesus is doing is he is the source of the remedy. The source of the problem was the first Adam. The source of the remedy is the second Adam, Jesus himself. Jesus comes, dies on a cross. He pays the price for all of our sin. Now the sin that, that that will leave you lost without God and separated from God, dead in your trespasses and sin, 
is the sin of unbelief. The only way to go from one place to the other, the only way from go from, to go from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, to, to move from the one, the, the prince of the power of the air that rules this, rules this world to the king of kings, the only way to do that is through Jesus. Jesus dies on the cross. He, he rises, he, he raises from the dead. He is alive. He has, he has paid the price for sin for you and I. Now, we have to receive that. But what he didn't do was just pay for sin. He did pay for sin, but here's what he did. For those who believe in him, Jesus comes in. Did you, you remember, um, uh, you remember the, 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 the verse? Let me see if I can find the verse. Um, God chose to make known to the Gentiles, and he did this to, the, to Israel, to the Hebrews as well, but Paul's talking here to the Gentiles, the glorious riches of the mystery, which is Christ in you. Here's what Jesus did. Everybody pull up with me just for a minute. We're getting, we're getting near the end. Christ in you. Jesus comes into our life, and he destroys the sin nature. He destroys the factory that produces the sin. When Jesus comes into your life, you no longer have a sin nature. Now you have the nature, the very nature of Christ himself inside of you. The sin nature is gone. The production plant has been destroyed. And you are free from your sin. You are free from guilt. You are free from shame. The beauty, the beauty of this, and I know some of you are saying, but bud... <laughs> That sounds really good, but I know me. And I got saved, and I truly put my faith in Jesus. But I find myself, myself still, uh, from time to time, having some desires I shouldn't have. I find myself, from time to time, um, wanting to sin, and sometimes even sinning. And therefore, the production plant has been, not been destroyed. No, no, let me tell you something. Imagine this, again, going back to Coke. The production plant is destroyed. There is no more production of, of sin there. It, there's no more production from the, from the plant. But there's still millions of stores that have Coke in them. And so now, until all of those are gone, uh, you're never going to fully experience what it is to not have to deal with the sin. Kind of like this. The production plant of sin, the sin nature is gone. Jesus is inside of us. The Holy Spirit is producing something totally different. That's the fruit of the Spirit that he wants to produce. He wants to produce through us love, faithfulness, patience. He wants to produce through us the, uh, all the beauty of the fruit of the Spirit. And he will, he will work on that. But remember, our soul, our, our spirit has been made alive, brand new, alive. Our soul, our mind, will, and emotions still have a lot of bad habits that came from the production plant, that came from the old nature. So there's a lot of things that we have to relearn. Our mind has to relearn. Our 
we were saved and made alive in our spirit. And our soul is saved, but it still has a lot of things it has to deal with. And our body still yet uh, won't be done until we get our new body, um, our glorified body before we go to heaven. And our body is still the same old body. And it still has some of the same old things to deal with. So you may be dealing with some impatience. You may be dealing with some, um, some things that are, that are working against you to make you feel like you're still the old person. But you're not the old person. You are a new person. Jesus said, or Paul, the Apostle Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, that we've been made a new creation, which means that this is, this is something that never existed before now. Even unlike Adam, you were a new. Adam was a creation, but you're a new creation because you and I were lost, born with a sin nature, but we come to Jesus, and Jesus comes in and takes that nature out. So we have been made a new creation in Christ. That's the beauty of this whole thing. I want you to imagine, I want you to imagine uh, <clears throat> having a conversation with Jesus. And Jesus walks up to you and he says, uh, I, I hear you're having a problem with your sin. You're, you're a sinner. And you say, yes, I am a sinner. And, but, but here's the thing, Jesus, I, I'm going to try harder. Um, and see, some of, that's where some of you are stuck. Some of you are stuck in the try harder place. I'm, I'm going to try harder to be better. I'm going to try harder to be good. I'm going to try harder to produce better behavior. I'm going to try harder to be the person that God wants me to be. But the answer is not in trying harder. And so Jesus would look at you and say, it's not a matter of trying harder. You're a sinner. I'm righteous. And because of my righteousness, here's what I'm going to do. I'm willing to take, make a trade. I'm willing to take your sin out of you, and I'm willing to put my righteousness in you. That's a trade that any of us should want to have. That's what Jesus is doing, gang. We make this so much harder than it really is. He wants to take that out, and he wants to put his righteousness in you. And the Bible says that his righteousness is a gift of righteousness. It means you can't earn it. You can't add to it. You can't take away from it. It is a gift of righteousness. And if that ever, if we ever get that, it will change your life. It'll change your family. It'll change the world if we ever get that. Going back to the source. So the mystery revealed is Jesus. And Jesus is the one that can change this world. I love this. Look, look, look with me. Uh, let's go to look at verse um, chapter 2 one more time. Before we close, my goal, G, uh, Paul said, is that they may be in, encouraged. This is the one that used to beat believers and have them imprisoned and killed. And now he is teaching us about Jesus. So that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God namely Christ, in whom, listen to this, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. When Jesus comes into your life, he brings a whole lot more than a ticket to heaven. And you discover this in a personal, intimate relationship with him. There is riches, the riches of understanding. When we seek Him, 
when we walk with him, when we get to know him. He will be your best friend. He wants to be your best friend, and he will be your best friend. And if there has ever been a time that we need knowledge, the knowledge of God, I'm not talking about the knowledge this world has to offer. If there was ever a time that we need God knowledge, we need heavenly knowledge, it's now. If there was ever a time that we need the wisdom of God, it's now. Jesus blinded Paul to teach him that, Paul, you will never see life the same again. When he opened his eyes, the Apostle Paul saw things that he had never seen before. Some of the things he began to see from inside, he began to see from his spirit. What Jesus wants to teach us how to do in a personal, intimate relationship with him is to be able to look into this world and when everybody else is freaking out, and I'm not telling you it's comfortable, it's uncomfortable. But when everybody else is freaking out and hopeless, what he wants to tell us is, I am your hope. I've got the answers. Walk with me. I'll give you wisdom that nobody else in this world can know outside of a personal, intimate relationship with me. It would be like being best friends with a genius that knows everything. And you can sit with that genius every morning and you can talk to him and he instills his genius and tells you things. He gives you secrets and tells you secrets and things hidden to the world and he'll reveal them to you because he loves you, child of God. And if you are not, if you have never received Jesus, I hope you can see. If you've been chasing religion to try to change some behavior, you've not gone to the right source yet. And that's why you, you walk away saying, well, Christianity didn't work for me. Because if you tried Christianity as a religion, changing some do's and don'ts, doing some things that they say to do and don't do some things they say don't do, and then you come away and you're still empty and you're still lonely and there's still nothing inside of you and you're still hopeless. Why is that? Because religion cannot produce what it is that God wants in our life. It doesn't go to the source. It changes behavior, but it doesn't change the sin nature. And the sin nature has to be changed. And, and the, the mystery revealed is Christ in us. Listen to me, gang. Christ in us. I just want to, okay, I got to stay within the camera shot, but I just want to run around this building right now. When Jesus came into my life, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt I was a sinner. And as a matter of fact, I was such a good one, good sinner, that most of the people who heard that I had been born again were betting on how long it'd be before I was right back to my own life again. But what absolutely amazed me was that I, I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior one day, went to bed, woke up the next day, and I had a love for people that I had never had before. I didn't have a desire to manipulate people and control people for my own, my own good anymore. So, something happened inside of me that was unexplainable. Before that, I had tried to be good on some occasions, but it never seemed to work. But when Jesus came into my life, something happened. I could tell there was an inward change. He wants to come in 
if you will put your faith in it. But how do I do that? It's just a matter of believing the gospel message that I have just shared with you. It's just a matter of coming to Him to say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I know now. I see the source. See, Jesus will change the behavior. The Holy Spirit inside of you will help you change behavior over time. Behavior doesn't change overnight. Some will. Some behaviors will change overnight when you receive Jesus, but some are things you may struggle with for your entire life. But Jesus is going to be the one there to help you do that. When you open your heart to Him and you just say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And you're a Savior who died and rose again to save sinners. And so I'm willing now to just give away my sin. I'm willing now to receive your righteousness and allow Jesus into your life. Jesus called it being born again when you believe on Him and you trust Him for salvation. I hope today that some of you will do that. And, and if you do, shoot us a message on, on Facebook and let us know that you've, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. We're going to pray for you. For others of you that are believers, I hope today that maybe, maybe the light has been turned on just a little bit for you. We need wisdom. We need knowledge. We've been given an inheritance in Jesus. And for so many of us, we were taught that we get saved, get our ticket to heaven, and then when we get to heaven, we get our inheritance. And inherit, you don't die for your inheritance. Somebody else has to die for you to have an inheritance. Jesus died to give you your inheritance now. You don't have to wait to heaven to get your inheritance. The kingdom of God is now. The kingdom of God is in you now. And He wants to walk with you now. And He wants to be your loving Father now. And He wants to be your King now. And He wants to be your protector now. He wants to be your salvation now. He wants to be the lifter of your head now. He wants to come inside and fill your heart with love now. He wants to take the hopelessness out and put hope in your heart now. He wants to take the hate out and put love in now. He wants to come in and, and, allow, and help you begin to discover your identity in Him. Mm, I could do this all day. I love you guys. And I am so excited, even though this is a horrible time, I am so excited about what Jesus is doing in people's lives and the people that are going to come into the kingdom in this season. And then when we come out of this, this season, however long it takes, whatever has to happen, when we come out, the kingdom of God, the heavenly family is going to be so much bigger because of this season that we're in. And we can't wait to see you at harvest. We can't wait to love you. And we can't wait to encourage you. And we can't wait to, to teach you the word of God. I love you guys. Let's pray. Father, I praise you. Oh, Jesus. Thank you so much for sitting with the Apostle Paul and pouring out revelation of who you are and what you did for us. Thank you for opening his eyes so that he could see the mystery that was a mystery for generations and generations and ages ago. 
but you helped him see that mystery revealed. You were the answer all along. And I am so glad to be living in a time when we're not looking forward trying to figure the answer out, but we look back knowing what the answer is. Jesus, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for the people that came into your kingdom today through all of the messages preached all across this land by so many pastors. We give you praise. We trust you, Jesus. We trust you. We want to get closer to you. We want to walk closer to you, Father. We, we put in your hands this, this virus that is going, and, and, and we believe in you, Lord, to move this thing out. And we give you praise for what you're doing. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed listening, be sure to hit the subscribe button and rate and review the podcast. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you again next week.